We the bestest cast with the left twist. Not fairly well dressed. Put me on the guest list. The guest list. Uh, yeah, on the guest list. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another week of On the Guest List with Foxtrot and the Get Down, White Sox, Dave, and Kenny Carkeet. With you from the band, as always, is your boy, Colin. Coming live from Chicago, Illinois, we have the cowboy, Dave Williams. Coming live from Los Angeles, California, we have Kenny Carkeet. Gentlemen, absolutely huge run for the podcast, as we said last week. Last week, we had ex-ambassadors, we had Dead Sarah, and we got two more big names this week. We're going to start with the consummate enemies of Kenny Carkeet, Congos. Boo. <laughs> what an unbelievable interview. The shit talk is all over the place. Kenny, why don't you intro this? Because these are your boys or your enemies. I don't know where you guys stand. I left that interview very confused. Yo, before you even say so, the best friends are your best enemies. Like, Facts. it's all about ball busting, you know? <laughs> right. Facts. That's how That's how we show affection for one another right. is, is we prank them all to her long. If you can't yes. bust your boys' balls, they're then not you're your not boys. boys. They're not your boys, right? So it's as yeah. simple as that. So here's my uh, mortal enemy and some of my best friends. Fast forward if you want. Don't. I don't care. Here's the Congos. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, on the guest list this week, we have a band from South Africa and the consummate enemies of Kenny Carkeet. We have Congos in the building. Boys, how the fuck are we today? Ooh. Good, man. What's going on? <laughs> could have been, could be better if Kenny wasn't here. I mean, I couldn't agree anymore. I, honestly, I just want to start by doing this. I want to give you guys a minute to just absolutely unleash on each other. So just fucking Kenny started off. Go ahead. Yeah, okay. I think it's really fucked up that you guys left me here by myself in Los Angeles and moved to fucking Texas because now I have no family, no friends here, and I feel left. I feel abandoned. I feel alone. I feel confused. <laughs> I feel bewildered. <laughs> that's, Kenny, that's how you always felt. Kenny, that's not unleashing on us. That's like a compliment saying, like, Seriously. how much us. <laughs> Oh, well, no, 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 here's the thing. I never liked you guys to begin with, but at least I was not alone. So Yeah, it was, it was cool for you to be seen with us. Yeah, 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 totally. Who you saying's left you? Max, Max is still there? I haven't seen Max in almost two years. Not yet, no, not yet. Kenny just completely ignored his wife. He goes, I'm alone, I have no family, no friends. Jesus Christ. What about your your sister? Well, yeah, didn't your whole family move to LA? No, yeah, yeah, we're all we're all here too. Yeah, so are my parents. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, can just as an outsider's perspective, how the fuck did this start? The fitness versus Congo's rivalry. What was the how did this whole thing fucking begin? Start at the beginning in the UK. Yeah, we met Kenny uh when, 2013. 2013, yeah, we uh went on our first tour in Europe and we toured with dispatch in like some of the, a few countries around Europe. And then for the UK portion, AWOL nation took us out kindly took us out and yeah, You're we welcome. Just, yeah, <laughs> we hit it off. And, um, then I, we played a bunch of shows like over the years because we had similar, I mean, AWOL nation was, uh, diamond record right now, but we had like, similar <laughs> timed songs that were on the radio. So we played all the radio festivals, um, we saw each other like almost every other week at some festival. So we just, you know, we we're hanging out in the dressing rooms and uh, it eventually it turned into this shit talking thing when we when we took fitness out the, you know, the band that uh, he and Max started. 
Yeah, this uh, is how we show affection to to each other. And, and if I could go back, I, this, it pains me to give compliments to these assholes. But um, <laughs> when you're headlining and you have opening bands, most of the time you're like, eh, you know, eh, whatever. Congos was the first time Aaron, the singer, had pulled me inside and goes, yo, you got to check these guys out. You got to check these guys out. And we went out and there's a song called I Want to Know that they have that Aaron and I, every show, would go out and watch them play because we fucking love them. And that's how we became kind of close buddies. And then over the years, for the listeners who don't know, you know, the the small alternative circuit, the bands who have their songs on the radio at the same time, we all play the festivals together. So each festival, you're like, oh, hey, dude, how was this? How was that? Blah, blah, blah. So it becomes like a therapeutic thing to see your friends somewhere out on the road all the time. Then fitness started and we went out with them. And luckily, they're on the same level of humor as we are and not taking it as seriously. And that just exploded into a very good time. <laughs> Well, also, I think it started because you guys were just getting started with fitness and you're like, you kept on saying to me when we'd like surf together, you're like, hey, dude, when are you going to take us out? When are you going to take us out touring? <laughs> Kenny, yeah. Kenny's is very direct with his approach. If he's trying to get something going, there's no like subtle networking. He's like, I want this. Give yeah. it to me. And it works. It's also <laughs> it so, so much more uh, refreshing. But yeah, I mean, what's the point of beating around the bush? Just give me what I want. You got to appreciate the fact that we we were like a year into this podcast and then all of a sudden Kenny just fucking comes along, does one interview on the podcast with me and White Sox Dave and then all of a sudden it's like, "Okay, Kenny's just a part of the podcast." <laughs> Yo, be honest with me about something, yeah. Was did, was there a gratifying feeling of having open for Kenny and then all of a sudden you were taking him out on the road? Did you ever like just be like, ha, 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 how the mighty have fallen? Because no, we had Max with us also, and he's Max is a legit rock star. Mm. So like, but also it was more like sad because I just realized all of our careers <laughs> were in the tank, and we 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 did this last final 2019 tour before Corona hit, and it was just like let's go out with a Peter. <laughs> yeah, it, we, we couldn't. Re we couldn't really uh, hold it over anyone's head that much because, like, some of the shows were great. Like, we some of the shows. I think one or two of them were sold out. Some of them were packed. A lot of them were just duds. So it's it's not really. You can't really like be like, ha, yeah. I mean, look at that. We're headlining forty five people in. Thanks for taking us out on this shit tour, <laughs> Memphis, where everyone was like, we shouldn't even play this one. You know, but you want to be one of those bands that's like, well, you know, whether there's one person or 10,000 people, we give it 100%. Like, that's kind of bullshit. When there were 20 people who were like, maybe we shouldn't even do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's the thing, though. that All of that really put us into a place of allowing ourselves to be brutal with the humor, <laughs> which started... We started something so big that even radio stations were asking us to come on and talk shit about each other. And like I like I would cut Dylan's string off his base and sell it on <laughs> and sell it on eBay. Uh, and that became such a big thing that like honestly is one of the most fun tours I've ever been a part of in my life. So I don't know yeah, what the, that means. The, the music and the tour became uh, kind of secondary to like the hang. Um, yeah. because everyone was basically in the same boat. There was just there was this weird feeling of like, what the fuck are we doing with our lives? Um, everyone, you know, like, especially Max, he's, you know, in his 40s. He started that thing on Twitter, too, where he's like, I'm just a 40-year-old uh, 90s washed-up rocker. And, like, we were all having that feeling, which is like, what the fuck are we doing with our lives? And there's all this, all these platitudes when you're on tour with another band. You know, they come off stage, and you're like, oh, my God, great set. And you didn't watch any of it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> and, like, 
it, it was just kind of refreshing to just get past that. And it, it helped that we were actually fans of each other's music. Like we did actually go and watch each other's sets, but some nights you don't want to do that. And some nights you didn't play great. And it's refreshing <laughs> to have someone say like, yeah, great solo. You know, like the third <laughs> mistake you made, like Kenny would, like if I made a bass mistake on, or a solo in my solo, I could come off stage and he'd be like, yeah, I, that was not your best. Yeah, we, all, we all heard it. I know you're thinking that maybe nobody noticed, but we all, but we all noticed. Dude, Max, would, Max would live tweet their, their shows <laughs> fucking minute by minute, like, heard this before, don't like it, could have been better. What I liked was the first couple shows where it started and it hadn't become a thing yet, so no one knew to expect it. And Max particularly, I mean, both of you would, but Max would really go for it and just like literally on stage before like, is everyone excited to see Congos and just like fall asleep? <laughs> and like our fans at first didn't take kindly to it. They were like, yeah. like boo, like, well, not quite booing Max, but like, what the fuck is this guy on about? <laughs> Which made us love it even more and want to push even can, harder. He's not afraid of committing. That's one thing I'll say about Max. He oh, like God. goes hard, whatever he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> But it was about the authenticity in the entire situation, though. And what we talk about on this podcast all the time is we, like, crave authenticity. We crave, like, real situations and not the, like, make-believe bullshit that goes on a lot of the times. But to watch two bands actually just bust each other's balls, I'm from fucking Philadelphia. That's what I thrive on. I was like, okay, I am in on this shit, dude. It was fucking incredible. Yeah, I think, man, there's just so many fucking bands who take it so fucking seriously. And, like, to jump on a tour, even the, like I said, even the fans by the end of the tour were in on the joke oh they yeah because they followed the twitter so like they would come out and they would be like what are you guys gonna prank today how what's the shit talking gonna be today or they'd be like boo fucking fitness and i'd be like boo fucking you i paid <laughs> i paid and got a star named by nasa congo <laughs> sucks so for life in the interstellar system it's like that ah, was the hey, bullshit kenny you didn't your wife did that yeah. she, my wife in is terms so of the best prank of the whole tour your wife wins not not you and but then we sold them at merch we sold the pamphlets at merch that said a star's name congo sucks <laughs> i think we what, what did we do in the last show in well the the phoenix show was the best because we we actually we called fitness into the bus for a like little powwow you know a sincere powwow and I was late to it. You know, I was like just running late, running around. But it really, I'd gone out to the um, audience and said, hey, fitness is about to go on. After their first song, we need 100% of you to just boo and scream <laughs> at them as soon as they finish. So they were none the wiser. I went back to the dressing room. We did the powwow. Said, great tour. Thanks for having, you know, or thanks for coming out with us. And then after their first song, our, our whole crowd just fucking ripped on them. And it caught you guys up by surprise. There was like a few seconds there where you're well, like... Well, what, what happened? So we got a call that was like, yo, Congos wants to see you on the bus. We're like, oh, okay, whatever. And we go see him on the bus. And there's three of them there. There's four <laughs> brothers, but there's three of them there. And they're giving us the whole like... All jokes aside, this was awesome, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, oh, you guys, that's so fucking <laughs> sweet, right? And then as soon as we ended the first song and the crowd started booing, my head, my light bulb went off. I'm like, those motherfuckers, they, the whole thing was fake. They didn't even mean it from the very beginning, you fucking assholes. So we have a video of that. We really should post that. Yeah. That's a really good. That's a really good prank. It was <laughs> fucking incredible, dude. And I mean, we're going to get into your career, what you guys have going on now, but you keep bringing up. I hope you got a lot of time. Are you kidding me? I got all the time <laughs> in the fucking world, dude. Uh, I want to bring up Max Collins real quick because you guys were involved with Chevy Mustang. Between the two of you guys, what the fuck was this about? 
I just. Uh, well, it was the same thing. It all started on that tour. Well, it actually started on the first tour because Max had this character that was. It wasn't called Chevy Mustang, but he had this character that was had this song like this idea like I want to, he, like I wants to do things, and then he and Danny really started getting into it. Like turned that into a song, and then everyone just got involved, and this thing just blossomed and turned into this. We've got backstory on it. Like we can go. We could do a three-part like Godfather level <laughs> epic on on Chevy Mustang. We've got I don't know. We still got 10, 15 songs we haven't put out yet from him. We're just waiting oh, yeah. for Max to stop being a Twitter hero, <laughs> and you know, like he's he's moved on to bigger and better things on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chevy was Chevy was born out of boredom on tour. I think like the first time we really went deep. First off, you got to go back. Congos is four music producers. Fitness is three music producers. So seven of us on a bus when you're bored at 2.30 in the morning in Birmingham, Alabama, outside a gas station, you know, we start just <laughs> shit talking or like creating songs or like, it'd be funny if we did this. And then quickly their brother, Danny, breaks out a laptop and a microphone and we start recording. And then next thing you know, we're on Jimmy Fallon with the fucking <laughs> song that we did with Jimmy telling people not to listen to the song. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, and I mean, I mean, because the, the music's cool. Like, it is what it is. But I just remember, like, it was right after I had met Kenny that fucking Chevy went on fucking Jimmy Fallon. And I texted Kenny, and I was like, you son of a bitch, you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the whole Chevy thing was a troll, right? And so to get on Jimmy Fallon, we're like, we're the best trolls on earth, dude. This is the best. I'm still kind of disappointed. It didn't. T I feel like there's still potential there. It's just so sub subversive. I think that's the right word. Like, it's so... Yeah. Innocent yet like really dangerous in its weird way, you know, like yeah. uh -huh. so yeah. yeah, there's a lot of tracks still to come. I mean it the that first one because I want to is just because basically Danny and Max were they couldn't get out of the character. Both of them just kept on saying <laughs> yeah. a week straight they were just like because I want to because I want to. And uh, Danny had like a little setup on the bus, a little recording setup with two little speakers, a portable thing that he'd bring into the um, dressing room too. So right before each band was about to go on stage, like Max would be recording a vocal going, because I've on to, um, yeah. I mean, if, it, if it means anything, you guys reached a different audience because I actually got a text from my fucking mom. <laughs> that was a clip from the Jimmy Fallon show and said, did you see this shit? And I was like, what is this? I, and I was like, Oh my God, it's Max Collins. What the fuck is Hey this? guys, hold on there. Uh, their brother, Danny seems to be coming in. Let's see. Here. Oh, a third Congo's brother. Oh, good timing. Danny. <laughs> oh, shit, it's Danny hey, Congress. Hey. How are you, buddy? How's it going? Look at that big dick of a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> just the angle. Oh, my God. What's we up, were just Daniel? talking shit on you, bro. That's crazy. You popped up at the perfect time. Kenny was just saying what an asshole you yeah. were. Hey, yeah. Joe, I don't have to be here for this, do I? Uh, let's, let's see. I, can... <laughs> well, I mean, it's not. Oh, are you, at... are you leaving? Oh, he left. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, this is my favorite thing on earth. <laughs> We've been doing all these serious ass interviews, like in depth. We're with the ex ambassadors last week talking about the creative process and the rise of startup. <laughs> and we got you motherfuckers coming on here talking. Danny about just fucking blew me up and then left. <laughs> but all right, so let's go into the career a little bit because the one thing I really do like about you guys kind of is you're not like, it doesn't seem like you're like heavy social media guys. Like over the last year, it seems like you guys have been kind of taking the time to yourselves and growing throughout quarantine. Like, what have you guys been up to for last year uh yeah we kind of we we always try to get social media going we're just we're basically like not good at it 
um, <laughs> both in terms of seeing how to interact with fans because it's a weird it's a weird thing to do, um, and then also just with being consistent about you know the time spent on it. So, um, well, I mean, a big part of it is we've we've moved states, so we had to pack up like our <clears throat> we were in LA for five six years big studio, all of our touring gear, all of our merch, everything. So it was like a mission impossible to just pack that up and move it. So it's been months and months of just organizing our lives. Uh, we kind of put the album, the third part of our 1929 album on hold. We kind of released some singles and we're halfway through it. So we've finished 90% of those songs and hopefully this year we're going to be start putting <clears throat> those songs out again. But it's mostly just been setting up, like you can see the new I don't know if you can see much of it, but this is where the new studio is going to be. It's kind of... Yeah, it, it looks okay. Yeah, it's getting going. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing that, that even Kenny pointed out before we started the interview is you guys really are producers at heart. Like, you produce all your own shit. You do your own videos and things like that. Like, have you been just, oh, like, held up, like, just fucking diving into music? Or have you guys been kind of, like, once again, focused on moving? Like, have you kind of put music on hold? I mean, for the yeah. last few months, it's literally just been moving boxes and sorting shit out. But I don't know. There's a lot. We've always, because all four of us write, all four of us produce, all four of us do kind of everything in the band, there's always a lot of material. Now it's, just, it's like the final, you know, like that final 10%, if we're yeah. talking about creative process, that final 10% is, the, is always the hardest for us at least, just, you know, the final touches. So we've got shitloads of songs ready. It's just finishing them. Yeah, right before we left and packed up the studio, we were um, working with a girl named Ray Little. I think uh, Kenny knows her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, super uh, interesting songwriter, singer-songwriter, and we've kind of done a few tracks with her. So, And we were starting to branch out a little bit more into that. Um, Danny was doing some do – he was doing a lot of the Chevy stuff. Uh, even – I think he mixed – maybe did a remix of a bunch yeah. of Kenny songs, or he did yeah. like two or three Kenny song remixes. So we were working on a bunch of other things, including – the Congas uh, album, which we're trying to finish this trilogy of an album, and we're about like four or five songs away from just finishing that. So, is the I rest mean, of it any good? Uh, I mean, it's as good as the rest of the album. So. <laughs> oh, okay, so it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> with with the fact that you guys are all producers and all right, and uh, like some most of the times in a band, it feels like there's like one person that generally generates the, the song ideas, and then everybody else collaborates. But does it ever feel like there's like too many cooks in the kitchen with you guys? Like, do you ever like, butt heads? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But we kind of came up with a little rule. Basically, if you wrote it, you get like dictatorial powers and you can call the shots to kind of avoid having an argument every time about where the snare drum should be placed in the mix. Right. Like, you waste a lot of time like that. And I think we've gotten better as everyone's got. It used to be Jesse did a lot of the kind of mixing, mastering side of things. But Danny started taking over a lot more of that. And Dylan and I have been getting a lot more proficient on the technical side. So that's opened up everyone to not be relying on one person as much and able to call the shots on their songs a lot better, you know? Also, this, cool this past year, because of <clears throat> quarantine and pandemic and all that stuff, we were working separately a lot where we were, like, remotely sending each other tracks and sending each other stems and things like that. So, like, there's a couple songs on this new album where Jesse did 100% of everything on the song and record like oh, we were we were barely involved in it and then when it came down to the mix because he was in phoenix at the time and we were still in la um it was there was a lot of that like where danny and i worked on a song where no one else was involved and you know there were all these different combinations where uh just because of being separated we had to work remotely and just basically get approval and notes on mixes and things like that so now 
hopefully the next step is when everyone's back together again at the studio will be a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, we kind of, we've seen both sides of it because the first two albums, the ones that actually made us money and were successful, <laughs> <laughs> we were all in the same room. And I think there's something about that that we're starting to realize we're missing a bit of. You know, it's all fine and good that everyone can produce their own records and finish their own records. But I think it does end up missing something. There's something about having people in room. I think that's why some of those Chevy Mustang records had a certain energy to them because we were all cramped in the front lounge of the bus. Yeah, just saying just, lyrics. Undeni- like undeniable, like this untouchable energy that happens, you know? You know, one of the cool things for the people who don't know Congos, which is pretty much everybody, uh, you know, <laughs> from, from an outside perspective, you'd go into, the, into their, to their studio and there'd be a big, huge whiteboard with each of the four brothers' names and a bunch of songs under each of them, which is such a cool thing to see, That's right? Wild. And then at the live show, they each, I think for the most part, sing whatever song they wrote. So all four of them, from the drummer, bassist, keyboardist, guitar player, they'll sing leads for a whole song. And so it's just the show's super versatile and they all play off each other. And it's, it's unfortunately really cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> was ever a thing with like the label where like they always want branding, right? They're like, we want the lead person. We want the fucking vocalist, whatever. The fact that all four of you guys kind of take turns, were they ever like, maybe we should focus on one person being out in front rather than having this revolving door. Did you guys, did you guys have freedom to just kind of do whatever you want? I mean, we yeah, we did what we wanted. In some respects, I, I think that is, they did want that, you know, like you want to do the typical photo where one guy's out front and that's got its benefits. It's, I think it's hard sometimes for an audience to focus when on this four-headed monster that we are and like identify what is their thing. So I think that's something actually like on our side, we probably could have taken better advantage of is at least trying to highlight certain individual things at a given time to give a more of a focal point. I mean, we have... We have okay. the same problem as a band because I, I sing and we also have Erica, our other vocalist. So, like, you can hear two different Foxtrot songs and one has me and then the other one has this beautiful... Like, my voice sucks. I'm not going to lie. I just fucking howl, whatever. Erica has this gorgeous ethereal vocal and it's like, which one are we? So, I always wonder with, like, bands that have constantly rotating people, how they deal with that. Yeah, I mean, look, you look at the biggest examples, the Beatles. Their yeah. sound, like, how do you define their sound? Like, everyone knows what they sound like now, but it's all over the map. Right, different singers, there's different styles mm-hmm. all over the map. It's just it's hard to get to that thing where people are willing to be open. They you know they kind of want to hear like you too is Bono, and he's right. always out front and he's always there. You know. Yeah, we had a little bit more of that that type of push or um, comments early in our career. The minute you have success or you have a song that hits or you have something that is proved that proves to connect with people. Mm-hmm. Everyone backs off a little bit, but it, except for like label suits they, and people like that. Like we had, we had someone listen to a song once and then say, and I'm not going to say who it was, but they said, it just, it needs more music. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, we already knew they had no idea what they were talking about. They like, they had no musical um, language or understanding whatsoever. But when they said that, it was just like, okay. Yeah, and then it was like, we're never listening to another fucking opinion from you guys again. This is a bad thing for you, Kenny. Should Are you guys <laughs> talking shit about me? What were you saying? Well, no, I did. we could reschedule if you need to do other shit. <laughs> well, some of us actually have, like, many jobs and many things going on in a positive light. You know, I'm not, you know. Some that was us. Kenny's pimp calling him to see when he was getting back out on the road. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dude, what I just took from that conversation is the Congos compared themselves to the Beatles, and that will be the headline that goes out with this entire <laughs> podcast. 
That's but fine. I love that Max will tweet out things like, the killers are better than the Beatles. Better than the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> and people you lose see, their shit. We used to do that type of stuff. We thought it would be like a funny thing to just get interaction with people on Twitter. You know, this is like 10 years ago. We used to do things. I think we even had a Twitter handle called Beatles Suck. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was obviously tongue in cheek and it didn't really work out because people are mostly dumb and they, yep, yep. they they don't catch on like to the irony or the that was the thing though with our shit talking on tour half the, literally half the people were yeah. in on the joke yeah. and the other half were not and both sides were really funny because when people were like I can't believe you would say this about this band that takes you yeah. out. We're like, fuck them. It's Bro, there's so something good. so special about finding nuance and in an inside joke that lives on the fucking internet because that doesn't exist. Everybody's so literal and to the point yeah. and angry on the yeah. internet. And you guys somehow captured an inside fucking joke. It's amazing. Well, that's, so why, that's why it's, I think it's even, it's really funny that some of our fans like, really dislike fitness because of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not because the music sucks? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I, music sucks, but that's one of the best parts is that we got people to dislike. <laughs> but it's also yeah. you know what, like this is a general thing I find like a lot of I I'd say our fans are actually pretty decent about being open minded to the bands that we've brought out in the past. Like they give they give them a shot, they listen, and they're generally friendly. But there's a lot of shows we've played opening up for bands where the fans are like, "You're not the headliner. I hate you." Before yeah, they boo a fucking song, and it's like it's a weird thing. To be so tribal about music, you know? It's so, it's so dumb. It's, it's so it's, dumb. It's ridiculous. And I do find it funny that I'm over here stirring the pot and I'm the only one out of the three of us without a fucking hit record so far. So you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys would talk shit on me, but there's no reason to because I don't have anything to back it up. Dude, I remember being, I think it was in Philly. So so when you're all- I'm just saying that you just said the insult I would have said about you. Yeah. So I'm Exactly. Yeah, see, now you're part I of would, it. I would insult you, but I can't remember the name of your band. <laughs> <laughs> see? All I want to do is be a part. Can we resurrect this and I'll bring my band involved and you it's guys never stopped it's yeah. never stopped i remember i was just gonna say i remember i think it was philly when you're on tour you usually set up radio station like performances in the morning like 10 a.m you do the thing they play your song they promote your show and blah 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 and one time we went with them to their on-air performance and we're just heckling them from the fucking back while it's like 10 a.m and they're playing songs oh i love it Oh yeah, that, I remember that because we know uh, what's her name, Jam and Jesse. Jesse, yeah, Jesse shout out Jesse. That's our girl right there. Yeah, that's a. It seems like a Philly thing. I mean, that video of uh, <clears throat> or the audio of Bill Burr turning yep. the Philly crowd around like that was that's one of the greatest moments in comedy, I think. And you have no idea how much he's beloved in this city because yeah. of that. Yeah, we, we are the weirdest thing. It's like it's like you can talk shit about us, and we'll like it's like a what do they call that in dating? Negging. It's like if you tell us that we suck, we want to like you more. You yeah. we want to like <laughs> us. It's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. Where did, where did you guys move to? Uh, Austin. Texas. Oh, you're one of those people. We we were in L.A. long enough that we did the most L.A. thing ever. And, and went to Texas. <laughs> yeah, you fucking unoriginal pricks. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are a part of the tech elite now. Congratulations. No, we yeah. moved out. Like, Dylan's far. I'm on satellite internet. It's like the most <laughs> low-tech thing ever. I can't freaking get a... That's why I'm over here. Otherwise, that'd be my place. Dude, I talked to Dylan on the phone the other day, and he had to FaceTime audio because it's all internet, but there's like a two-second delay. <laughs> so the conversation's so hard. I know. It's really... Well, it's because his, his city is still in the 90s. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, wait, I'm waiting for... Elon Musk to launch his satellite so we can, you know, 
use my those. man went from living at La Brea and Sunset in Hollywood <laughs> to being backcountry Texan. Like, <laughs> oh my God, how's Texas been so far? It's been awesome. I mean, we we've like we said, we're just organizing our lives. Everyone's you know organized their actual um, living spaces in our studios. We're all trying to get our demo studios set up at our own places. Um, Johnny's place kind of got the main. Uh, room. He's finished out this detached garage that we're going to be soundproofing and uh, putting all the the gear at. So um, that part of stuff has just been, you know, like like anything moving to another city. But I'm I, I'm in a pretty out there place. I'm on a, a number of acres, like quite outside of town. So like my my life has changed a lot. Like Kenny said, I, I was actually on Hollywood and Highland for five years, like Jesus. literally walking out my doorstep and uh, stepping in human just, shit. Yeah, stepping in human. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I mean, here's, here's your brother Jesse. Let's see. Let's see what he has to say. Oh, another Congress brother <laughs> enters the chat. Yes. Oh, Hi, there, Jesse. Oh, there he is. <laughs> Hi, Jesse. The, the podcast with Kenny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's me. It's yeah. me. It's me, man. <laughs> <laughs> another oh, fucking bail. You guys are so mean. I love I it. I'm love fucking here for shit. it. See, you guys are going to click really well with the Barstool audience that we're, we're like, oh, like intersecting with now because they're going to appreciate shit like this. I, I think they love hatred. I think this is going to be a good thing. <laughs> we're full of hatred. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, look, it's... We all, I think all of us miss L.A. Dylan misses L.A. because he's a fucking surfer, if you can't tell from looking uh, at him. Yeah. But I don't, it's, there's a whole different thing. I think we're going to make some different kind of music out here that with the space and greenery and land. Like, it's just a different life. And I'm kind of excited about it. Because, what, are you going to be a, an Americana band just smoking pipes and fucking wearing well, dude, If you listen to our music, there's a, there actually is an el- a lot of that element already in there. You know what I mean? Right. Eh. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yo, be honest with me. Do you, anyway, we're going to just keep writing songs about how cool Malibu is. <laughs> I was going to say, did you guys ever get sick of the LA scene at all? I don't think we were ever really part of it. Honestly, like, we, when we first... They never accepted us. Yeah, that's, that's the truth. We built our own fan base in LA. It was never like the LA crowd. In fact, I think maybe Kenny can attest to this with a couple of shows that we played in LA. I thought there's this notorious LA uh, crowd, which is just like not... They're not a good crowd they don't dance they stand there and look at their shoes they're like yeah they judge everyone's in a band they're all better than you and like <clears throat> for some i think for better uh you know as opposed to better or for worse like we developed a crowd there that just were kind of a little more outsiders they really dug our music like we had great shows in la so we never really felt part of like the la scene or a silver lake scene or anything like this what? we were we were on tour a lot of it you know we moved to LA in 2016 and basically we were in and out of LA on tour most of the year until 2019 and then we hold ourselves up in the studio to work on the 1929 uh, two album so um, there's definitely an energy about the city that is is lacking everywhere else like Austin's great but it's not LA and it's not New York it's like it's lacking a certain amount of um, energy or culture which it'll probably get there because so many people are moving um, but yeah, there's, there is something special about LA, but I don't know if we were ever really part of a scene. Well, the thing is like, I mean, there's what, 20 million people in the gray. If you count like Long Beach, Anaheim, that whole area there, the LA crowd that everyone thinks about is the Hollywood crowd. I feel like, and I feel like most people that came to our shows were driving from elsewhere. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, like that's the, the real people. It's like there's real people that live there. There's not 20 million 
dicks. <laughs> right. <Just yeah>. Any. <laughs> yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> most, most of them are in the uh, western, west of the valley, north of Malibu, kind of on the 101 and like. <laughs> it's a very specific where area. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Triangulate. Just a, attempting to like find all the normal human beings in LA who don't have an agenda and bring them into one place was a Congo show, right? Well, it's like what they said. It's like everybody in LA and New York are all industry people. I say that and in Nashville. quotes, right? And like they're in bands. And like I said, they're judging. They're taking ideas. They're blah, blah, blah. They're there learning or like whatever, studying. So like it's never that part of it. Part of it is understandable. Like, I mean, I am in music. I love music, but I also hate music. Like, right. I, you know, that feeling <laughs> where it is what we do for a living uh, you come off tour, you don't want to just listen to music all day. You don't want to go see a band. And if you do, you, you have a different, uh, mentality about everything. So it's, it's kind of understandable, but it's, it just makes for not the best. Um, yeah. I give a friend, I, if a normal to. friend of mine says, let's go out to this bar, it's got live music. I, I cannot oh, do it. Agreed. No way. No chance. No chance. Well, we all have our kind of like escape things from music, right? Like I don't listen to music in the car. I listen to sports talk radio. That's my like little escape time. Like yeah. what's your like guilty pleasure escape from music? Dylan, I guess yours would be surfing. I listen to fitness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nobody does that, dude. But no, like, so I guess surfing would be one, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, surfing was a huge part of it. Um, now it's like... Uh, it's basically it's gonna be farming, <laughs> yeah, driving your tractor uh, around. And yeah, it's it always the opposite of surfing. <laughs> yeah. It's always been something to do with growing, uh, growing shit. So I've always been into that. So that's a huge escape. And now I've got all this land that I'm gonna be uh, growing a lot of shit on. So, I mean, Kenny, would yours be weed? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it would be sur surfing and gr and growing weed is literally what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, funny you say that. Dylan, you still coming out tonight? Yeah. My man Dylan right here is flying to LA tonight, coming and staying at my house to surf the next three days. And I've got like 20 huge plants in the yard that I can't wait to show you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Why don't you guys collaborate? If you have yard, if you have fucking acres, Kenny's got... Well, because that's the one thing Texas yeah. is still fucking oh, way yeah. behind on. Is you can't, yeah. It's illegal. I don't even Although, see that changing for a while. Kenny, have you ever heard of Delta 9? Not the Delta oh. variant. It that's is a, the three, <laughs> yeah. that's the three the three cheese shit that Barstool always uh, uh, promotes. It's like federally legal weed. Yeah, basically. I heard about it yesterday for the first time. What, like salvia? Like, no, it's like it's from hemp, but it's got uh, certain cannabinoids in it that supposedly are um, huh. psychoactive, but they haven't been federally made illegal. So, like in Texas, there's all this. Uh, Texas hemp everywhere and CBD stores and stuff. And I hadn't even heard about it until yesterday uh, uh, when it's like a CBD store for, they, they make candles and oils and all those type of things. Right. And they're like, we've also got the Delta 9 stuff. And we're like, what's that? And they pretty much said, you just, it's weed. This is from hemp. It's like there's some weird classifications though. That's Dude, some Kenny. weird offshoot fucking shit. Yeah. I didn't know that Texas is criminalized though. Kenny, if you ever see White Sox Dave on here and his eyes are all low and he's vaping, that's what he's vaping. He's the fucking Delta Nine shit, and it fries him out. You can tell right away his eyes just go completely lowered, and he's like half the man that he is usually. That's because it's not real weed. 
feel like they need to change the marketing. Like Delta is not going to sell. Yeah, it's well. it's yeah. that's oh, over. Shit. Yeah. That's over. Yeah, they're going to go to Lambda next and be like, oh shit, we made this <laughs> mistake. Just Lambda OG. <laughs> <laughs> oh my fucking god! So oh, I mean, yeah, what, there is there's a whole lot of uh, hemp here that people are growing, which. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I feel like when you see the land out here and the amount of rain you get, as soon as it does go legal, which is, seems inevitable everywhere in America, then there's going to be some big. It's probably going to be though. It's going to be fucking Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos strains of weed. Yeah, yeah, of it's course. Suck, <laughs> dude. Southerners love weed too. I don't understand it. Like, I don't know how Texas is caught in the past because all my southern friends absolutely love to smoke. But I think what you guys should do is bring back K two, the fake shit that used to like make people go crazy, and just start selling K two in Texas, and you guys will make a bunch of money. That's a, great, that's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Oh, my God. Oh, and all actually, we can actually talk about music a little bit. So you guys are <laughs> you guys are finishing your record, and obviously you guys have had massive hits. And I'm like, we talked to, to X-Ambassadors last week. Like, with the backstory that you guys do have and the hits that you do have, are you guys feeling more creative freedom? Or, or like, wh- like, where are you guys at right now in your process? Like, what the fuck are you making? Yeah, we're... Uh, we're out of all of our major label contracts, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh shit, maybe we're not. No, yeah, we are. And so that's a huge thing. You know, that's a huge freedom. Obviously, it's it was a when we started making those decisions because they were they at least the record side of it was a, our decision to pull out of that and get out of that as quickly as we could. Um, it was a big decision to be like we're giving up a lot of money basically in advances for getting the freedom to do what we want and also just not dealing with inept people. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the first 1929 albums, I think showed that like, you know, they weren't as successful. We didn't have the big marketing machine behind it. There was all sorts of other factors probably that didn't lead to the success. But I think listening to them, when I listened to them more objectively, like there was, there was a real different creative um, push behind them. Like we, we kind of just went back a little bit to wanting to make, the same type of music we made on the first and second album, which was pretty adventurous. You know, there are some long solos in there. There's some mixtures of styles. And I think this new album is the same thing. We're basically free to do what we want. And uh, we've, we've been separated. So there's also this uh, thing where we're writing separately. We've got very individual styles. Like all of us have our very individual writing styles. But uh, the production of it is going to be um, have this kind of conga stamp. So... It's also, without the major label machine in that, it's like I, I don't actually even know what the approach is to get a song, a song, to do something. So it's got to be more like multiple songs creating an entire catalog of stuff because like even that the, the uh, dude with drinking his ocean spray, like I heard this story about that. You know, you think it's like this <clears throat> viral thing, but then you learn their, uh, their label. What's the band's name? Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac's label. Oh, I've never heard of it. Pumping money to influencers to start resharing that. So, like, even something that's as innocent and cute, like, viral video, there's fucking millions of dollars behind that. So, it's like, and now I'm going to try and convince you to like, buy the million to get interested in my song. Right. Like, yeah. one song. It's, you know, it's, it's such an uphill battle without a big machine behind you. So, we're, we're not as worried about, like, put every everything into this one egg of a song we're just like let's just make what we can if there's enough good music eventually something's going to click with somebody we've got a whole bunch of ideas in the pipeline like we've, we've been throwing around a lot of these ideas and we just haven't had the time to get around to them like doing even certain like electronic classical music 
Uh, we want to do all sorts of things, like maybe make a, an album with uh, and a few songs because we started doing these live streams during the pandemic where we were like every week we'd play uh, three or four songs for our fans on our Patreon and we'd do them in a different way because we didn't want to set up the tracks. We didn't want to set up like a whole big thing. So we just did them acoustically. Um, and we looked back and listened to some of those recordings and we're like, oh, that's fucking cool. Cool versions of the songs. We should try an album like that. So that's also part of the plan maybe just to record an album like no click, no track uh, or maybe not a whole album like uh, organically live as as much as we can, um, all in one like room. musicians almost. Yeah, <laughs> rather it's than so like weird. computer That's programmers. Like, I'm going to That's I'm going to turn into an interviewer here for a second. Um, oh shit! So so uh, uh, so uh, Congos, um, you guys were one of the first people that I saw to do a geo-targeted, location-specific. Uh, live stream when you guys did that one for Mexico. And that was early, early in the pandemic, which was a really cool thing that a lot of people started to do. Are you, do you guys have any other live streams planned? Anything coming up like that? No. Um, yeah, we, awesome. <laughs> great question, Kenny. Yeah, great. Yeah. Awesome. We did that one. Um, I, I personally think maybe it's, maybe they've gone cold on just us, but I think live streams are not the future. I They're think. not connecting. No, they're not connecting. We did that one, and it was great, and the fans liked it, and we got paid really well because people like Pepsi sponsored that one. So, pe- mm. like companies were like, "Oh, we've got millions and or billions of people now at home. They have no choice but to sit in front of their phones or the computers. They're going to start throwing money at things like that because they're, they've got such a captive audience." But it just didn't translate. Like, who wants to basically? We we saw it with our Patreon. We had a weekly thing, and we probably did it too much. But like you just start to see this thing, which is this itching to see a live show, not, you know, over a screen. Um, There's you start to just have this dwindling energy, basically, of of that. And same for us. It gets fucking boring. Like, it's fine. Also, the pressure of live streams, like, you know, I don't know about you, but on our actual live shows, uh, the only thing I ever got nervous about was technical shit going wrong. Like, right. laptop's going to go out. So now you're doing that with a stream, with an internet connection that's going to go fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too much pressure. You can't have fun making music and doing all that, you know? I, you know like- I, I think, like, one thing that I really liked that you guys said was you guys are kind of transitioning into this phase where you're like, okay, we don't have this machine behind us. How do we fucking do this? How do we get noticed and all this shit? And I yep. think like that that's been a big conversation on this podcast is about like how do you do it without that backing? And we're, we're talking to a lot of musicians who listen to this. A lot of people who are in the industry want to know this kind of shit. And for us like I know we thought like yo this podcast thing is fun. We're really enjoying this. Like we like and people are starting to connect with it. Why don't we try and get with a company that is like cool and has big following like a Barstool Sports or something like that and see if we can be the first people to do something where it's like we don't have a record label behind us but we do have this giant entity that can help us push forward it's yeah, kind of right. like we're all just figuring this shit out as we go along and I know you guys had done a podcast are you still doing that no we also put that on hold you know like our essentially our, our business lives have just been put on hold you know because of this big move it was it's not just the studio it's like the whole family move so there's just mm-hmm. It's an enormous uh, task to kind of get our lives. There's back babies over. involved now these yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Jesse has a two kids. Johnny has a kid. So there's like, you know, it's it's a, a big a big shift for everybody. But we're we're still of that mind basically where content is king. Yeah. Um, if live touring doesn't come back in full force, if uh, if things don't go back exactly how they were, there's still going to be this uh, demand for content. So 
you know, we put out, including the Chevy stuff and some Ray Little stuff that we produced, I think we put out like 30 or 40 songs in a matter of two years. So yeah. that's, that's our plan still is to basically, we've got such a backlog of songs. We want to put out a song a week for the next like five years. That's when we're <laughs> up and running, like that's what we want to do. Just basically, here's a song because people are there to listen to it, you know. The Spotify streaming numbers haven't really. Yeah, that's one thing that's good. I mean, obviously there's lots of th good things about having a hit, but is the tale of that hit is that our new songs still get streams just because we've got those monthly subscribers. Like, yeah, hard to turn that into a whole career just going off of the past, but it does allow your new songs to be heard better just in terms of the way the algorithms work on Spotify. Yeah. Um, Fucking algorithms, man! Goddamn algorithms! Oh yeah, it's, look, yeah, it's it's going to be the end of us. But if you can manipulate them for now, it works. The one thing we have been doing, or I've been keeping up on socially, is we started a Discord channel uh, last year. And it's weird. We found fans. We had no idea that these people and this group of people existed. Like, they were not connecting with us anywhere. Like, they, you know, watch a YouTube video, but they weren't YouTube commenters. They weren't really on Spotify because a lot of them are younger kids and they can't afford a subscription or whatever. So we've started to find this entire new base of fans kind of in the gamer world where Discord kind of started. But now it's, it's broadening out. It's not so much just gamers. Yeah, it's huge. And I'm enjoying it a lot more because it's more conversational. It's just like a WhatsApp or a Telegram group. But completely social and open and you can actually have interactions that are much more meaningful not there's there's no algorithm as, as yet i'm sure they'll fuck it up eventually they'll find a way <laughs> yeah, they'll find a way <laughs> but there's no algorithm saying what gets seen so you just post something you interact with your fans say here's this you can do we do ex exclusive little posts there I'm trying to just grow this from the almost like from the ground up again a new thing it's and a younger it, audience too i think because like we, we've had some older fans that just don't understand it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't understand Discord. It's like kind of trying to understand the internet for some people. Are you guys still actively doing the Discord pretty regularly? I mean, I've, I've, I've been itself. checking it every now and then. It, it runs itself. I've made a couple of the fans that were on there early and have kind of proven themselves to be fairly trustworthy. I've made them mods of the Discord so they can, right. like, if people start posting like actually hateful or bullshit, they can delete that and keep that. Well, stuff. Uh, your boy Kenny has been on Discord a lot lately, and now that I know this, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna find y'all. I'll send you an invite as long as you don't put your usual. Don't shit tell me what to do. Don't don't tell don't don't tell me what to do. As long as you don't post any of your music, we're cool. With that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I'm only gonna. <laughs> yeah, we've got it. We have a channel in there called Talent Show where like everyone can post like the shit that they like a show and tell sort of thing. I would be hysterical if you just went on there and posted fitness videos. I'm going to make only Congo sucks like songs about that. <laughs> and I'm going to post them every fucking day on there, Joe. Jesus the awesome. Christ, dude. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to let you guys get out of here. Everybody go stream Congo's shit. Fucking join the discord. Find them everywhere they are as a parting gift. Can I get one more minute of you guys just making fun of each other? Oh, that's a putting us I on mean, the spot. That's yeah. I, I mean, ahead, listen. No, I already know that tonight I'm going to lock Dylan out when he gets here at like 10, 11 p.m. <laughs> and I'm not going to let him in. Then he's going to be forced to go sleep at the beach. <laughs> Joey, I, I don't know. I don't know. I love and I'm hate Joey on so much. Anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I figured you were going to sleep at the beach, you fucking bum. Bro, look at you. You look like you could sleep on the beach and nobody would bat an eye. <laughs> oh, no, he was born here on this beach. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, can't, you can't kick him out. He's allowed to camp here. Yeah. <laughs> Back to my family.
<laughs> grandfathered in. Christ, man. All right. Well, everybody, go check out Congo shit. Thank you, boys, so much for being here. We'll have you back on soon. All right. Thanks all right, a lot, man. Lot. Good to you guys. I yeah, fucking, was fucking hate you guys awesome, so guy. much. That was awesome. Fuck you, Kenny. Are we still on? All right. So that was Kenny's mortal enemies slash best friends, Congos. Go stream all their music. Join their Discord. Find them wherever the fuck they are because they're all over the place. Go to Texas. I don't care. Kenny, why don't you just recap what the hell just happened? I mean, those fucking guys. I love them and I hate them. I love them so much and I hate them so much. Uh, no, they're, they're, they're good dudes who are incredible musicians who now live on the land in Texas, in West Texas, and are growing fucking vegetables and riding horses. I don't know what they're doing out there, but they are some of my best friends. They're good people. So check them out. Listen to their stuff. You definitely will have known some of their stuff already. So... Whatever if you don't, if guys. you don't know, come with me now. Then you haven't been listening to the radio at all for the last like ten years, because that's an absolute banger. And I really enjoyed the conversation of them being like, "Yeah, we got out of our deals, so now we get to do whatever the fuck we want." Yeah, yeah. And then the, because they're so good at doing their own videos, their own websites, their own podcasts, their own everything, like they do it all themselves. Now that they have no deals, they just make whatever they want whenever they want, which is fucking great. They talked about their new Discord, which is kind of interesting and cool. So I'm I mean, D- that Dave, that would have been a conversation you would have loved to have been a part of because you guys would have started fucking chirping. But I was chirping. right, right, right. Oh my god, just good I, dudes, so, though, man. So this is this happens a lot on um my other podcast that I do is we'll have a guest and we we like to keep it to two people per interview because then four or five whatever it mm-hmm. gets a little wordy and then especially over Zoom you're like trying to do all the nonverbal cues to let them know you got something to say and everything. So I have not listened to the interview yet. I've seen the social clips. I know that they like to bust balls with Kenny and everything. And um, as so long as people have Kenny's blessing and not just his blessing is so long as he calls them dirty douchebags as well. I know that <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, good yeah. people and the Congos make fucking awesome music. So they do. I'm looking forward to listening to it on my own. And, uh, it's going to be great. It's going to be yeah, great. We just need to remember that we can't do that with everybody. Like, we have a couple really huge names coming up. We can't be like, what's up, you stupid douchebag? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> or well, maybe we can. Maybe know. we can. I don't know. We do have one more interview today as well, though. I didn't even get to introduce him in the beginning. But our pick of the week this week is Skate. Skate is an awesome new artist coming out. We're playing his song, The Girl Next Door, featuring motherfucking Wiz Khalifa. So that's a hell of a plug on the podcast. But... Great conversation with Skate. He's coming from Nebraska to L.A. We talk a lot. I actually get some insight into that L.A. scene that we always talk about, which I'm confused about, where it's like the pop punk meets the hip-hop realm. <laughs> and he actually cleared it up pretty well as to how he got into it. So that's a really interesting conversation. Stay tuned for that. But before we go any further, let's get into some music news before we get into segments. We've been seeing this more and more as the summer progresses. More and more big artists are dropping. And we finally got the Lord album that we had been talking about, kind of like on the edge about... I think what I found out is I see what she was going for. For what she was going for, it was well done. I don't like it. That's just my opinion. I don't know if either of you guys happen to get into it yet, but it is it is what it is. I, I, it, I, I get what you're going for. It just didn't move me. I have not gotten into it yet. And I don't know that I was going to. Uh, oh. But, you know, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to see a cesspool of toxicity? Go look at Twitter when that album dropped. All it was was people being like, oh, like, if you don't like this, you're misogynistic, like, all this stuff. It was such a <laughs> weird... The fandom thing freaks me out. People online with these huge... He said fan- something about that to, uh, today, or I saw an article. She said... Uh, it was the Jack Antonoff thing, right? Was it where she said, uh, I'm so much less famous now than I was when I was 16. It's just the way that I like it. 
It was yeah, interesting. She, was, she apparently, in the making of this album for the last four years, had a flip phone. Like, she didn't have the internet, which I thought was Good. fucking sick. But I don't know. I like, love I, that. I just didn't get the... I didn't get it necessarily. I don't know. It just wasn't what I was looking for, per se. But I Does it sound it. anything like the other one? It sounds exactly like the other one. It sounds... Like, oh, you mean the other album or the other single? Yeah, the, the other album. No, it sounds like the single. It's Because like, yeah, I love yeah. Melodrama, which is the second album. This, it feels like sun-soaked 70s kind of throwback shit, but kind of modern. I don't know. Maybe I need to listen to it a little bit more, but it just wasn't for me. But I give her credit for going for something and fucking achieving a sound that she wanted to get. So, okay. shouts out to the Lord. Uh, Young Thug dropped a new song. Shawn Mendes dropped a new song. Kane Brown on the countryside dropped a new song. Bastille dropped a new song. And then the album I want to talk about, Sturgill Simpson dropped a new motherfucking album. God damn, I love Sturgill Simpson so much, dude. Did so, they, did, dude, he has got legit a fucking cult following. Because yes, I cannot get into his music whatsoever. And I know people that are fans of Sturgill Simpson that absolutely fucking swear by his music. And it's not to say it's bad and I don't like it. It's good. I do like it. But holy shit, does he have a fucking cult following? Bro, Chief, your boy. I know he's always talking about he is it. huge into them. And it's not just him. It's like PFT's into it. I've seen, I seen all these guys. It's a ton of people. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like if you're a fan, you're as diehard as a diehard gets for Sturgill Simpson. Yeah, it's, it's wild fact. to me. Kenny, have you ever dove into it? I know you're not big on the yeah, Americana no, thing. No, no, no. I, I, no, I'm big on the Americana thing. I'm not big on the pop country thing. Right, okay. Big difference. I made a lot of Americana records when I first got to L.A. because the producer, really? I, the producer I apprenticed under made Americana records. So I got a special place in my heart, like Joe Firstman and a bunch of other people. But, uh, yeah, no, I love Sturgill. Sturgill's fucking great. The Sturgill, the reason why Sturgill has such a cult following, especially in the music community, is because Sturgill actually worked as he was so Sturgill's backstory is insane he's from Kentucky but up until he was like 35 he was working connecting trains in Utah basically he ran the connection of trains running across the country that's what he did for a living and his wife said you need to take this music shit seriously you have a gift Moved to you gotta Nashville. be kind of a big guy to do that too <laughs> dude so he comes to Nashville and when I first started going down there is when he first started getting famous it's like 2015 2016 and I'll, this is why Sturgill's a folk hero down there, especially. So I'm playing a spot called The Basement. Kenny, have you ever played The Basement in Nashville? Yeah. Uh -huh. It's under Grimey's. It's a record store. And so yeah, yeah. we're outside. People are smoking. Like, we just played our set. And my buddy Nate says to the doorman, like, yo, what's up, dude? And he's like, hey, man, how you doing? And I was like, who the fuck was that? And he goes, yo, that's Sturgill Simpson's bass player. They just got back from playing Letterman. They are the most normal dudes ever. But Sturgill's talent lies in the fact that he doesn't give a fuck about the industry at all. Sturgill literally just makes music however he wants to and puts it out. But he's so goddamn talented that it doesn't matter. People will just kind of acquiesce to that. That is why Sturgill Simpson is a fucking folk hero, dude. And I love okay. that. I'm with you. I'm with you. But the album's called uh, The Ballad of Dude and Juanita. If you're, this is a very traditional bluegrass country record. It's a story. It's beautiful. Willie Nelson features on it. It's really good. I suggest going, if you're just like sitting around on a Sunday or if you're it's late at night and you're drinking whiskey by yourself, throw it on. But this is not a party album by any sense. This is not something you're going to get your rocks off to. This is <laughs> a comes fucking, on in the club. Yeah, there's, <laughs> you're not getting the ballad of Dude and Juanita at the 4040 Club in New York. Like you're fucking <laughs> listening to that shit in your car. You're just hanging out. But uh, other than that, we also had the Kanye release party in Chicago. Dave, are you going to go? Are you going to camp out? You going to do it? I might. I yeah. might have to, <laughs> even though I don't want to. 
Because then I'd be, I'd be, I'd be obliging him and giving into all his shtick. Yep. But at the same time, I think I might kind of have to. I think what you need to do is take a camera down there, and you need to interview the lemmings that are outside. You need to go the up lemmings. with the fucking. You need to go up with the microphone and be like, "Why are you here? Why is this good?" And just see what they say. And you know, there will be one of me there. Oh, it's it's, it's gonna be sixty thousand of you there. Exactly. So if you want the answer to why we're all like mindless lemmings and we're here for this shit, you don't even got to go in. Just go outside of Soldier Field with I'll a microphone. Right on my. I'll I'll have a fake unconnected microphone in my <laughs> iPhone. And just do it like that. <laughs> hey, what's up, douchebag? Why are you here today? Fucking, there you go. Why is this album any good? You know it's going to suck, right? Would you vote for Kanye for president? <laughs> Did you vote for Kanye for president? Is actually yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a more accurate way to put it. Jesus oh Christ. So now, not only does he have the listening party and the album's finally coming out, but he has beef with Drake now. And it's gotten to the Oh, I saw that. Yeah. So Drake went on Trippy Red's new album and dropped a subliminal on Kanye. And Kanye... <laughs> Tweeted out Drake's address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, straight up, dude. Straight up Drake's address. And then he apparently in a group chat sent a picture of the Joker to Drake and said, like, I've been fucked with by nerd jocks like you my whole life. You will never recover. I swear to God. Like he sent him like a menacing ass <laughs> text message and then drops his address. If this is all theatrics, I'm cool with it because I'm fucking totally in on this. This is like shit. WWF shit. If it's it yeah, don't, don't make me like him more. You exactly. know what I mean? Like Dude. fuck. God damn. So, Dave, if you or Dante or Chief, anybody from Chicago is, I I am meeting with Dante on Wednesday to go over a few different things, and this will be the first order of business. I'll say yes. that. Yes. Just get to Soldier Field and just take a camera and just. What just day is it? Thursday. It's, it's Thursday. Yeah. So I'm meeting with Dante Wednesday and. There's a better than I'll say it's it's not a coin toss. I'll probably be there. Let's fucking go. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> I won't I won't buy a ticket though. Fuck that. Look, I'm about to I'm about to book a frontier flight for thirty eight dollars. Bitch, you're gonna up. get hammered and buy a fucking scalp ticket. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, we're gonna see pictures of Dave the next day with one of the Kanye masks on. He's wearing he's just like, with yeah, Kanye. Just I'll yeah, be I'll wear Yeezys. Yeah, he's got a, a pair studded four hundred dollars ugly ass shoes. He's got a fucking <laughs> studded Balenciaga jacket on. Like he's just out here. He's completely bought in now. All Kanye has to do is wave his hand over Dave, and he's gonna be coming. All right, this is completely off the cuff. Have you guys ever seen? Comic the insult dog. Oh, yeah, triumph yeah, the yeah. comic or insult or dog. Triumph the comic yeah, yeah, yeah. insult dog. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, hilarious, by the way. But when what he went to Star football. Wars to uh, it to like interview all the all the Star Wars nerds, yeah. and then he brought the dude in the Star Trek thing, and, just, <laughs> and they just started booing yeah. the shit out of him. Uh, Leonard Nemo, I think that's what it was, or whatever his name is. What if I just went dressed in a bunch of like Drake apparel and shit? That's what I was just gonna say. That's a great idea. See. The hamster wheels are spinning right now. <laughs> I can smell the I can smell the burning rubber from over here, dude. <laughs> Holy shit! I I might have to go and get my CNC license prior to oh, that, and just dude. for protection. But we should dress you up like Drake in the Hotline Bling video with like a big right, puppy right, right. yellow jacket, and we'll just yeah. have you walking around with a boombox with Drake blasting off of it, dude. Oh my god, this is a great idea. <laughs> Dave Williams beaten to death outside of Kanye's <laughs> listening party in Chicago. We would do anything for content. We would do anything for content, 150%. I, I do not disagree with that. All right, I'm looking. All I need is a pair of Tim's, a big-ass poofy orange-ish jacket, yep. jeans, and I'm good. And I'll just buzz my head and, and get the goatee going. Yeah, I mean, if anybody can do the 5 o'clock shadow, it's you, Dave. That's true. 
That's true. Yeah. I shaved right. yesterday. Look at me. Well, to end up on music talk, I'm also just going to go right into on the list, off the list. Because I actually got something. Somebody sent it to me today. And my on the list is Kenny Beats. So if you guys aren't familiar with who Kenny Beats is, Kenny Beats is one of the best producers in the world right now. He has a very famous YouTube show called The Cave where he brings in artists and creates songs on the spot with them. It's usually funny, but he's a fucking incredible producer. But Kenny's on my list because... He uses his fucking platform. We talked about discourse earlier. He's big on Twitch and discourse and shit like mm -hmm. that into teaching people the ins and outs of the music industry. And this one video that got sent to me, I posted on the podcast page on, on Instagram. And he got a question asked to him that said like, hey, like I just released my first song and it only has like 100 listens. Should I delete it and put it up later when I have more fans? And he took the time to be like, let me just reiterate this. And he got real close to the mic and he was like, no. You dumb motherfucker. He didn't say that. That's my own interpretation of it. But he was like, he was like, everybody's first song has fucking zero listens. He's like, you don't automatically get put on all the Spotify playlists. You don't automatically have a million fucking followers. You're not goddamn Justin Bieber. Everybody's shit looks like this at first. And he said, you have to start somewhere. And I think that's a big thing. And especially in the world, especially the Spotify world, where your numbers are visible to everybody. everybody. And it's all anybody gives a shit about, right? When quantification becomes the number one thing, people start to look at your followers and your fucking plays and your fucking Instagram shit and all this stuff. It is ruining actual art. Because when you start to quantify and the only thing that matters are the goddamn numbers next to your name and it's not the quality of what you do, not knowing that all these doors are closed to you because you don't sign a major label deal, if you don't suffer and fucking make your shit that you like to make and let it grow naturally, it is killing real art. And big ups to Kenny Beats for being someone to stick their neck out and say, hey, motherfuckers, your shit has to suck. Your shit has to go through its ups and downs. Don't look at the fucking numbers. Don't try and juice them. Don't do any. Don't ever shit. look at the numbers. Don't ever look at the fucking numbers. I never do. I release things and then they just go. I don't know what they do and I don't fucking care. They just put a. So we got a new back end at Barcel, meaning like we can see all our own analytics and. It's like the most, I hate this fucking thing because I see how every single post does of mine. I know what kind of views Ugh. it's getting. And you start chasing, you start chasing the numbers instead of like, for instance, and this is not completely true, but I could post like Instagram model, super hot, like is showing a ton of cleavage or something like that. Yeah, A yeah. billion views. And it took me just 10 minutes to throw together all our Instagram light or Instagram pictures and all that. I'll get a billion likes on it, blah, blah, blah. It'll be huge. When I take like four hours to write something, it doesn't do a quarter of that. So I'm just like, I got to tone that shit out, you know? So what, yeah. what, is, what is the answer? What, what did you just prove right there? What got the views? It wasn't your best work. It just happened to be the clickbaitiest thing that you were exactly. doing. Exactly. Right? Don't worry about that shit. Don't worry about that shit. Eventually, you will find a way to relate to somebody and it will work, but it's, you can't take the easy way. You need to fucking grind it out. You can't take the easy way. And if you do, it's not even as gratifying. Like, I look at some of these major label artists, and part of me wants to think, like, they don't even fully grasp what they have or the audience that they have because they haven't grinded for it. You know what I mean? And look, if you can get that major label bag, but, like, if you're an artist who's independent by themselves and you look, you put up a song, also don't assume that you're going to get fucking 8 billion views right away. That's a fantasy. Stop looking at, real. at poorly streamed songs as failures because there's no, no such fucking thing. No, it's you're just waiting your time. Keep making quality shit. You cannot rely on numbers to tell you whether or not what you're doing is worthwhile. 
and eventually they'll come. That's where I did some rant, but I wanted to get through that. But fucking Amen, brother. A fucking man. Shouts out Kenny Beats, dude. Dave, who's on your guest list? Um, on my guest list, and I all right, so it's Tom Hardy, but my off the guest list was gonna go. It was going to be like in sort of conjunction with what was on your guest list. My off Ooh. guest list was, but uh, Tom Hardy, um, Tom this Hardy. motherfucker is, I think maybe the most talented actor on the planet. He can do literally anything. His range is outstanding. He can be that badass. He can be, you know, I'm watching Peaky Blinders again. Just, I had it on in the background today. He can be this Jewish mafia dude who with this crazy British accent, crazy. And like everything he does is unbelievable Tom Hardy. I And he's one of those guys that I wouldn't be surprised that like he has a band on the side that he does with like oh, his yeah. boys. And he's just like some otherworldly like drummer or bass player or something, you know, dude, his backstory is amazing too. You, he was like a, he was addicted to drugs too. Oh, I'm he sure. Like, yeah. He was a model and a drug addict and got through that. But my question to you, Dave is what's your favorite Tom Hardy role? It's definitely Al- Alfie Sol- Solomon's. So uh, good. Dude. I mean, he's only in the show like maybe a half dozen total episodes. And no spoilers. No spoilers. He is absolutely outstanding in the show. Absolutely. It's one of the best roles I've ever seen any actor have ever. He just dominates it top to bottom. Um, I know it's not musically related, but like every time I watch this show, which is about once a year, I'm, I'm just floored by how good he, and talented he is. It's unbelievable how good he is. Dude, my, my Tom Hardy roles go... I love Warrior, which is one of my favorite fantastic movie. movie. Fantastic I cry, movie. I cry every time I watch that when movie. When they're walking like, out of the ring, like oh a big pussy. When he snaps yeah. his brother's arm and shit. Oh my yeah. god! The first Spoilers. time, I, bro. The first time I watched that movie, I had just taken a bunch of pre workout and came home from the gym. I was home from college, and I'm watching it on my laptop by mom's house, and I was bawling my eyes out, bawling my eyes out because I'm all tweaked out on pre workout and shit. My mom opens the door, and I was like, "Get the fuck out!" I was like, get out of here. And she's like, are you crying? What the fuck is wrong with you? But I'm watching boy, mom. Mom, watch a porn mom. Get out. No, uh, the other movie. Have you guys ever seen the drop off? No, no, I don't think so. It is one of the best little independent movies ever. It's Tom Hardy and James Gandolfini. Ooh, it is one of the best movies that no one's ever seen. It is. It's Gandolfini's last role. It's it, just watch it. That's all I'll say. Don't forget about Mad Max. Mad Max. Dude. Yo. Outstanding. Inception. Like, he's in some great ones. He's in some great fucking movies. Venom. I loved Venom. Venom was stupid, yeah. but it was fun. But I kind of right. hated Mad Max, and I think I'm the only... I didn't hate it. It was just... I was like, I don't see... It, it was visually stunning visually, and all that. Yeah. But it was just like, ah, this is too much for me. I like the real shit. Like, The Warrior. I mean, I know that's not exactly real, but... He's like, like yeah, it's... Tom- it's you, it's not re- it's not such a suspension from reality that you're like okay like I don't know I don't you know would, go go on HBO Max tonight if you have it and watch the drop I do it, it is fucking outstanding Kenny who's on your guest list uh, you guys both had some you know seems like important one Kenny Beats mm. and Tom Hardy and uh, my on the guest list today is Costco I Ooh. recently became a member. I thoroughly enjoy going to Costco. I just got ribs there. I grilled them up last night. I call it church. So on Sundays, I go to church. I'm going to Costco. I get a fucking hot dog, $1.50, onions. Yo, I just heard. Actually, I started writing it today before I I was doing our other couple of shows. But um, one hot dog takes 36 minutes off your life. I saw that. I should be dead. Worth every minute. Worth every minute. Worth every minute, right? Every minute. How do they know that? 
But it's like if you eat yeah. like uh, like you quinoa or whatever other healthy shit, it like bounces it out. Like that adds eighteen minutes. So all you got to do is like bounce that shit and you're good. I'm not here yeah. to fucking d- dispute scientists or dietitians or whatever. How do you know how long my life is? How do you know it took any time off my life? You have no goddamn idea. I could hit, yeah, I could get see, hit by a car outside. I like to use King's Hawaiian rolls for my hot dog mm. buns. And that, a lot of people don't know that's actually good for you. So that's, uh, you know, how I offset is it actually six minutes. No, I don't know. <laughs> I'm doubtful. <laughs> can I, I can I say, because I'm, I'm going to be uh, making my own uh, chicken tenders tonight from scratch. I bought the little hammer thing to like, you know, make it a little thinner. Smash them out. Be, be yeah, smash them out. Be your meat, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I was going to say, if that's the case, then I'm going to go and get some Hawaiian rolls to like, you know, you still even should, out the trans vet and all that shit. <laughs> can, I tell you, can I tell you a secret, Kenny? I've never what? been to Costco. I've never been to Costco either. I was just about to say that too. Are you fucking kidding me? I've never stepped what are you foot guys, inside of Costco. Fucking children? No, you we can get TVs. You can get jewelry. We you have can Sam's get Club. You can we get. Have Sam, it's the same thing. Club. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is. A, yeah. But let I me mean, let's be real. I mean, come on. I, mean, I don't on. even know where the closest Costco to me is. I, I feel. I don't think it's really a big Philly thing. We have fucking Sam's Club. We have BJ's and shit. Like it's all that. But yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. Whatever, man. All I got out of that was that Dave's going to beat his meat later. But <laughs> I, uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. So hypothetically, say I want to put an extra couple TVs in my living room because I don't, I, I need three TVs to watch and maximize my Sunday NFL football pleasure. Uh, what can I get like a nice 40 inch TV for at cost? For a 40 inch fucking 300 bucks. Fuck. Yeah. I might be, I might be, oh, dude. I might be getting initialized myself. And I'm, getting clo- I'm getting close to pulling the trigger on like an 80 for the main Ooh. room. Well, because they're less than a grand now. Dude, I got a 65 for like 800 bucks two years ago at Best Buy. That's what I'm you, saying. I remember back when uh, like flat screens and they had the big screens in like the 90s, but they were like the fucking big ass yeah, boxes yeah, that yeah, were yeah, 8,000 pounds. And my, my dad bought a, it was the 50 inch Sony for, it was 3,500 bucks. It oh was so much fucking money. And it was this bonus that he got from like his old job, like years and years ago. And that TV maybe lasted five years and it was that much money. You can get a TV that is twice the size now for like under a grand. So if sure. you have your iPhone, right? Tom, yeah, exactly. Tom Hardy, you're off my guest list. Cheap TVs. You're on it. <laughs> there we go. Well, dude, uh, dude, my mom had one of those big box Johns and she lives on the second floor of a duplex. So she asked yeah, me, my brother, probably. a couple of years ago for Christmas, we got her a TV. So she was like, can you get the old one out? Me and Maddie had to send this shit down. My brother's Matt. We had to send this shit down. Three winding flights of stairs to get out of the duplex. Awful. And we eventually, we just tipped it over and threw it down the hill. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, fuck it, it broke. It. Sorry. Yeah, it was going in the trash. Anyway, who gives a fuck? But all right, yeah. my off the list are the Paul brothers. Now, these motherfuckers come up all the time. I, I don't really hate those guys. I don't really have a problem with these guys, but there's one thing that just happened today that I saw that these motherfuckers need to get brought back to earth because Miles Garrett, who is the defensive end from the fucking uh, Cleveland Browns, who is built like a different echelon of human being. He's an alien. Bro, he's, he's like 6'8", 840 pounds of pure muscle. <laughs> 3% body fat. Yeah. 3% body fat. Uh, in an interview, he somebody said, like, would you ever do celebrity boxing? And he's like, I don't know if I plan to, but if I did, I would beat the fucking brakes off of uh, Logan Paul. 
And Jake Paul <laughs> did an interview and he was like, look, man, I'm a Browns fan. Like, I'm cool with Miles and shit. But if you ever stepped in the ring with my brother, he'd get knocked the fuck out. I was like, dude, he would rip Logan Paul's head off and shit down his throat. It wouldn't even be a contest. He beat the shit out of a goddamn NFL player with his own helmet. <laughs> it's not yeah. happening, bro. He's so, got that. He's got that loose cannon gene. That said, the Paul brothers, as much as anybody cannot stand them, they do train and they like the technique. I don't know if you think. I don't. I don't think it would be as big a, a fucking bloodbath as as you and everybody else would want it to be or expect it to be. Okay, Here's the Dave, thing. So I hate. I hate the Paul brothers, but I think they want me to hate them. Yep. And that makes oh, me yeah, hate yeah. them more. So I don't know yeah, how yes, to feel yes, about it. Yes, yeah, you yes, know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yes, Dave, yes. Dave, to round this off, hypothetically, I trained a box for two years. And then I get in the ring with a wild grizzly bear. Do you think that thing gives a fuck whether or not I've been training? Miles Garrett Fair. is a he is like an evolution above humans. He's a goddamn killing machine. He's just built like that. <laughs> I don't think there's anything you can do to stop that. I think you just rip your spine out like Sub-Zero. I think it'd be over. So that's uh, they're off my list. So fuck that shit. Dave, do you want to cap your off the list, even though you kind of alluded to it? Yeah. So wait, who was on your guest list again? Oh, no, 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 no. All right. Um, it was the Kenny Beats. So I was going to say on that and off my guest list is sportsmanship. Mm. I fucking hate sportsmanship. I tweeted this thing. <laughs> I, saw um, it, I was yeah. like, I used to get in when I was younger to the Lily World Series because my mom's from Times River, New Jersey. They're, I think, in it again right now. Blah, blah, blah. Um, the overzealous sportsmanship where they're all like, if you if someone hits a bomb off you, you're like, you're fucking running up to him and, and shaking his hand shaking and his slapping hand. him. Get the fuck out of my face. If All right, so I'll put it in your guys' uh, terms. Like, Kenny, if, if you, like, say you're 12 years old and you're, you're doing a piano recital or something and you completely just fuck up. Like, it just embarrass yourself. Would your dad come up to you and be like, oh, nice job, son? Or would you go up to, like, the kid who beat you and been like, oh, hey, you beat me today? Like, congr- like absolutely I, fucking not. My dad used to tell me before I did a fucking fourth grade piano recital, eighth grade fucking baseball thing, he'd be like, you're going to do well. Just don't fuck it up. Yeah. Every fucking Every time. Every single time. Every time. Just don't fuck it up is what he said. I will never forget the words my dad said to me one time. This stuck with me for the rest of my life. I was a baseball star growing up, but he would come to my CYO basketball games. And after one of the games, my dad looked at me as we walked to the car and said, you know, it's really hard to watch you play basketball because you're so good at baseball. I wakeboarded professionally living back in Florida for a lot of years. And my dad would make me go out before high school in the morning, 645 in the morning. And if I wasn't riding well, he would pull up slowly and he would go, why are you wasting my gas? <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, okay. exactly. If I had it, a, dude, good. I was just like, so it was some clip. I guess it's from a few years ago and not this most recent college or Little League World Series. A kid gives up a bomb. He's slapping all the all the opposing team's hands out as he's, as he's rounding the bases. Then a pitcher runs up and, and like dabs him up as he's about to score, like touch home plate. And it made me sick. And I, I said, my dad would beat my ass. He wouldn't actually beat my ass. He would just, it'd be like mental warfare. Yes. And Disappointed I tweeted you. this and I had all that. It was about, I would say 75% in agree, agreement with me, but the 25% like, oh, this is like, you like, of course it's a Barcelona account tweeting this. It's a fucking 12, like sportsmanship. This is great. But I'm like, get the fuck out of my face. These kids need to know how to fail. 
Yeah. Like we were talking about uh, the downloads for some like, oh, I only got 100 downloads. Should I delete the song on Spotify? No, you like failure is a part of becoming an adult. Realist shit Dave has ever said. To to like accept failure and say like it's okay. Like it's yes, it's okay to fail, but you can be pissed off at failure at the same time. Yep, absolutely. And it Dude, drove I, me fucking crazy that I like I was joking about it, saying my dad would beat my ass and like <laughs> the the coach should be arrested for being a pussy for allowing that. And then the dad of the kid who gave up the bomb should be forced to get his ass beat in front of his <laughs> kid. Like I was only moderately joking with all of that. I was joking at the same time. I wasn't joking about being disgusted with the overzealous fake sportsmanship. I don't even know if it's fake anymore. I'm 100% on Dave's board here. It's weird. It's like, I hate to use the word cringy, but it's cringy to me. It seems like it's like there was a meeting beforehand where they were like, hey, guys, if anything happens, make sure you show good sportsmanship. I want to see a team fight the other team. It's like how we want to see rock stars be drunk, drug-induced fucking assholes. Like, I don't want some fucking do-gooder play my rock and roll. Get the fuck out of here. Last story about this, and then we'll move on. Uh, another good my dad story, because my dad is the ultimate motivator. In I got one play. one my dad story. I like years. this. Uh, we were playing a much worse team in Little League, and uh, I went up and batted left-handed in the sixth inning because it was like we were up like 26 to 4 or whatever. I get in the car afterwards. My dad doesn't put the engine on. He gets in and goes, you will never play another baseball game again if you do that shit. He was like, you want to fuck around? You want to fuck around? I'm not wasting my goddamn time. He was like, fucking play the game hard or don't play at all. Good man. Never batted switch again, dude. Never batted switch again. That's, well, so my college, it's a small school out in the Chicago suburbs, but it's got a really good uh, broadcast communications. So, like, the students, it's it's uh, the radio programs, all student-ran. Uh, it's... They play great music in Chicagoland. It's 89.1 FM. Shout out North Central. They would uh, they would broadcast like the Mets announcer, Wayne Randazzo. He was a radio guy. He was a couple years older than me. Now he's the Mets radio guy. No shit. Um, yeah, a bunch of, a bunch of uh, like local radio people went to North Central. But anyways, they would, um, they would broadcast our games on the station for baseball in college. And I, I was the closer, and I used that very liberally. I, I stunk at pitching, but I get brought in against Wheaton College, which is like our rival in, in our conference. Um, there was runners on first and second, nobody out, and I struck out the first two kids, which was pretty par for the course, and then my I walked a kid, so his bases loaded. The leadoff hitter was up, who was an All-American. He played pro ball, didn't amount to much after college, but he was like All-American for Division three. He laid down a bunt with the bases loaded, and I tried to like kind of jeter the throw. So I fielded it. It was down the third baseline and jumped through. Yep. Completely airmailed the first baseman. We ended up losing. And after the game, my dad, he was listening on the radio because we were only a town over. He just, I opened up my phone to a text message from him that just said, you suck. And that was it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Oh, yes. You dads, dads, man. And that was the last baseball game I ever played in my life. So I oh. ended on a completely horrific note. Fuck, man. It's like almost on my list as dads. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dude, well, Kenny, yeah teach your wrist. fucking kids to be tough. Yes, yeah, please. Seriously. God damn. And I'm not saying even physically tough. Like, like failure is fine. And and you gotta you, you can't just accept it and roll over and let them rub your belly like a fucking like ace my, right here. My dad would be the guy who, like, I true story, broke my arm one time when I was like, I don't know, 11. He's like, you're fine. Made a little sling with a belt. Turns out, like, two days later, my arm was actually broke. You know what I mean? Like, dad, uh, we got to take him best. to the hospital. 
dude, yeah, my, da- my dad, for the shows my dad has come to, my, my dad came to one of our, to the stadium show. And afterwards, it wasn't like, wow, that was amazing. He was like, sound was a little off. I was like, you motherfucker. <laughs> that, is, that is, dude, that is what dads should do. They need to keep you in check. That's what I'm talking about. So, Kenny, who's off your list? Man, I, I have a very stupid, lame, fucking, like, non-original prick of a off the list today. But it's fucking COVID Delta because I have seen in the past week about 15 fucking bands canceled their tours. We yep. are back. It is happening. I saw Pixies canceled today. Nine Inch Nails canceled two days ago. We already know my fucking biscuit tickets are bunk because they fucking canceled. I'm uh, pretty sure widespread panic just canceled in Chicago. It's just happening one by one. And I see, I still yeah. see, it's it, the, the, the frustration is also added to by seeing posters of festivals to come or shows to come because I'm like, I just don't think they're going to happen. And this is, I, you guys are holding on to a, September twenty fifth. So September twenty fifth. I can go on to a whole fucking rant about this. I so they got Delta Plus variant now too. By the way, are we just gonna cycle until it's back to like Alpha? Yeah, probably. Variant? Dog, I don't know. Like here to stay. Get vaccinated or don't. Like, and I'm very sensitive to the politicization. I can't speak of the subject, but you're either vaccinated and protected, or you're not. You don't care if you get it. So what the fuck are we talking about? Right. I think the hardest I don't understand part in all of this, why it's got to be a political thing at all. I think the hardest part in all of this as a musician is the fact that once again, right as soon as we felt like we have some control over our lives, we're back to square one. We don't know yeah. what's going on. I still don't know what's going on. All I know yeah. is I have a show and Dave has a show on September 25th. It's outdoors, so we're good. But I mean, Phoebe Bridgers just moved her entire tour outdoors. She has that opportunity to play these giant amphitheaters. You know who doesn't? The grinder bands, the bands that are working their way back. And all those hopes and dreams get put to the side once again, and we're all back to square one. All the small venues get fucked once again. I don't know what is going on. At the end of the day, let's just keep riding it out, boys. That's all we can do. You know what I mean? So that's on the list, off the list. Uh, real quick, before we get into our interview with our pick of the week, Skate, let's go into what the fuck we've been listening to. Uh, my pick this week is a throwback to the biggest alternative song of 2019, which I feel like didn't get as much love as it should. White Reaper might be oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're great. What an absolutely, because they are a band that we we came up with for a lot of like our early years. They're around the same time. We were playing a lot of the same shows in Nashville. Might be right by White Reaper is one of the best rock songs, just straight up. Fucking Thin Lizzy leads, great hooky chorus. I know K-Rock put them on pretty heavy. Shouts out to White Reaper. Yeah, that was a the thing. They, uh, they're they one of those bands who, as a producer deep in the alternative scene, I kept hearing them about them from different people who yep. matter. You know what I mean? All over town. And then fucking like they're on their way and then COVID hit. So I hope they can make really, it Really, really, really. They were supposed to open for Pearl Jam on their world tour and that got Yeah, they were on their way. Yeah, that, that's the one band that when Kenny, when you were saying you felt bad for bands that were about to take over the world, that's one of them. Right. And they still yeah, will because they're fucking that talented. But goddamn, that is one of the best rock songs of the past decade. So shouts out to White Reaper. might be right. Dave, what the fuck have you been listening to? I had widespread panic going on. I, I just, because I was looking, I'm like, hey, what, what are, when are they going to be around? And um, I had them blasting on. I sat on my roof and watched Aaron Waters show a little bit this weekend. And it had the Bluetooth going with widespread panic. And... I, so I looked them up. I'm like, they got to be coming around sooner than later. And it's like, oh, they're canceling a bunch of shows, mm-hmm. um, which fucking sucks. I've never seen yeah. them. Would love to. Right up my alley. Southern rock, bluesish kind of music. Nothing. 
Dude, they, we, we need to get them involved in this, too, because they get a lot of barstool love. Fucking Mincy obviously talks about him all the time. And Mincy's Portnoy, like such a fucking... He, like, steals my musical taste, I feel like, because all these guys that he, like, knows personally Andy are... Frasco. Andy Frasco. He's, like, boys with Andy Frasco, which was the most random thing ever. Um, Eric uh, Lindell, who I've talked about, Widespread Panic. Yeah. Prez tweeted out, or there was a clip from the... Davey Day Trader things where he basically was saying, he's like, yeah, widespread panic's the fucking truth, dude. I was like, I did not expect to hear that at any point. I would not. No, I would figure he would listen to all the test tube, like, you know, Bieber's. He all, I, dude, he, he also put up a thing. He was at a Dave Matthews show for Sirius XM. I saw that. I saw that. I've never watched his Davey Day Trader stuff, but yeah. um, uh, if he's a widespread panic fan, like, goddamn, good for him. I know he likes the revivalist, too. That dude. I have heard that. I have heard that, which also blew my mind. Who knew, man? Who knew Portnoy had his musical taste going? But I do agree. Shouts out wide for a panic. Goddamn. Kenny, what the fuck have you been listening to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stumbled onto somebody new. Uh, just Ooh. cruising through the fucking playlist. I don't think he is new because he has like 200 million plays on his top song. But this guy named Still Woozy. Uh, yeah. It's a new song new song called Woof that uh, came up on my playlist. And I, and I enjoyed it and I went deep and I like all the stuff. I don't know who he is, where he's from, or what he's doing, but... I love what I was listening to, and, still, he, and he got added to my liked list. Yeah, still, dude, that's a big the best thing band. about Spotify yeah. is yep. the stumble upon. I have found so yeah. many fucking artists. This is like the ego, like cocky side of me. So I blogged about Eric Lindell, like, and I've talked about him even prior to you hopping on the show, Kenny, uh, months and months and months ago. But I uh, I stumbled upon him on just Spotify Discover. He had like eleven thousand plays on his top song. And a couple of them now are in like well into the hundreds of thousands. And I take some credit for that. And that's why I kind of fucking hate. I I had like a million fucking people DMing me. Like, who who is this guy? Like, because I played him on our serious show when uh, we had uh when we were partnered with them. And uh people were asking me like nonstop. But um, like I kind of hate that he kind of started blowing us off for the show. So the spiteful side of me says, fuck this guy, <laughs> but I really like his music. So Kenny, <laughs> so Dave needs to now sabotage his career. I think yeah, that's perfect. what we, <laughs> Stop that's, listening to this guy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's what the fuck we've been listening to this week. I need to update the playlist. We'll get that out to you guys on our socials this week. Uh, Kenny, what are some interviews that we have coming up? Should we drop that? Do we drop that? Who do we have on Wednesday? Who do we have on Wednesday? You don't remember? Is this, is this TG, my boy? Yes, uh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so on Wednesday, we have my good friend, one of the most amazing singers I've ever had the privilege of recording and listening to, Tyler Glenn of Neon Trees will be here. Neon Trees! Yeah. Fucking, if you guys, you guys all know Neon Trees, uh, one of the couple of the biggest hits of the last decade in the alternative world. Got yeah. animals, this shit. I'm really excited to talk to him. And it's, can we drop who we're talking to on Thursday? Because I'm really excited about this one. Absolutely. Drop it, baby. Drop it. We got Teddy Swims coming on the Yee! podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Teddy Swims is, is unbelievably good. Unbelievably good. We have him coming live. He's actually on tour with Zach Brown right now. So he's going to be coming live from tour to talk to us. Really excited about that one. We have a couple other huge ones the following we week Andy that we're going to get into. Coming up. I saw Andy Grammer two winners ago, and he's 
outstanding. Puts on. We also have Andy Grammer coming up. Let's just drop the whole slate. Kenny, who else do we have coming up? We may or may not have group love coming on. And by may or may not, I mean we do. (laughs) We do. So in the the next coming weeks, we told you this is a big run. We went ex-ambassadors. We went fucking Congos today. I almost forgot their name because I don't care about them at all. Uh, We had Congos. We also had Dead Sarah and we have Skate coming up. Then we have Andy Grammer. We have Teddy Swims. We have Neon Trees. And we have... Group love. Was that it? Group love. Holy <laughs> shit. Group love. No. So, who did we fucking... Someone said something about... Uh, uh, we got Miles Doty coming on of Slightly Stupid soon. Yeah. Who do, who's I even talking to about that? It might not Rob. have even been... Well, it, it was, was Rob, Rob, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was Rob. Rob, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and that's one of my fit like that's a top five band for me. So I'm I'm very excited about that one. This is not to mention the fact that we have a bunch of names for the fall that we cannot yet divulge who are on tour and will be coming on when they come off tour. Yeah, let's go, like, boys. Massive, those, massive A-listers. Those are the A-list. I just I, I'm not trying to, to shorten out any of the next four weeks because they're all A-listers. They're all great fucking artists. There's just two in specific in the fucking fall that I like. One, I will cry because it's you know, this for me. The other one are Grammy performers. They're fucking incredible. They're one of the biggest bands come out in the last year. We'll get into that later, but we do have a lot of names coming up and we're just scratching the surface. Just scratching the surface. We have a lot to tell you guys. We're not going to do it yet. We'll Fat Lady ain't the- singing for those guys yet. Nope. They're so big that I don't want to even really tease it until we finish recording and we are like positive that the files weren't like Corrupt. corrupted or anything. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I always these are like, I will, I'll say this. These are like, Pardon my take, level guess, which Agreed. is obviously like a top five podcast in the world. So, and we're pulling them out of our ass, boys. We don't fuck That's around. Right. <laughs> we don't fuck around. Uh, so, like we said, we do have all those guests coming up. Let's get into our final interview of the day today. Our pick of the week, Skate. My man is from fucking Nebraska and wound up in the shit out in LA in the biggest scene in the world. And he's absolutely killing it right now. He has a new album called Pages dropping next month. And is a new single with Wiz motherfucking Khalifa, one of my favorite artists Who's that? of all time. Who's that? Exactly. Never heard we of go him. With, we go into his relationship with Taylor Gang because he is managed by Taylor Gang. So he is directly involved with Will and Wiz and everybody over there. So I'm already nerding out. But we really do get a clear picture on the L.A. scene right now. He lets us know kind of what the hell is going on out there because it's a, it's a conversation we have all the time. And I will say, because Dante was involved in this as well, Dante's also on the interview. I was so pleasantly surprised by what a down-to-earth good dude he was. We had a great conversation. He was actually kind enough to ask if he could smoke weed while we talked, and I was like, if Kenny was here, he wouldn't have to ask, brother. He was a very polite dude, very cool dude. He offers tickets to his shows when he goes on tour. Great fucking guy. So we're going to go in to our pick of the week, Skate. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for our pick of the week this week, we got a new up-and-coming artist living in L.A. from Nebraska. He's got a new album called Pages coming out. We are welcoming on our man, Skate. Skate, how are you, buddy? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. What's up, man? Thank y'all for having me. Dude, happy to have you here, bro. Uh, we were talking about this before we started, but you're a Nebraska guy. How did yep. you wind up in, 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 in L.A.? So, man, crazy story. Yeah, I'm a Nebraska guy, man. Omaha, Nebraska, born and raised. Um, I was there up until high school, went to college for a year. I played basketball actually for a year at a D2 college. And then, um, I'd always been doing music since I was 15. So like, you know, passing out CDs as a sophomore and shit like that. Um, 
And then opportunities came my way right after college. I was actually like, I kind of given up on basketball. I was like, man, fuck this shit. I'm going to go and really pursue this music shit. And at the same time, like, I was just blessed with a, like a, a great opportunity, and um, and I took that, went on tour, and and after that, it kind of just started gaining social media followers, and and I ended up in LA. So, yo, what were you doing like music wise in high school? You know how it started was was mostly just like going on on you know popping YouTube beats and fucking you know just writing to that shit and like releasing that on like and i was literally like going straight off like of a macbook on garage band like into the into the like actual like like the oh shit, just right grimy there. shit it sounded all trendy <laughs> super grimy bro but it, you know what i'm saying it was the beginning stages and uh yeah no, i mean, love it yeah, so you were pushing you were pushing your own cds like what? Yeah, I actually school, pressed. I actually pressed. Went to the wall. Like I, I can't remember Best Buy or something, and bought like uh, you know. I think they came in packs of like fifty or something. You got the fifty rack. Yeah, I oh, got the man. fifty rack. Wrote you know in the sharpie on everyone and burned every single one and brought them to the uh, brought them to school and I got made fun of a lot, but um, it was fucking cool. <laughs> Bro, let Dude. me tell you something. Yo, real quick. We are birds of a fucking feather because I went to college. I played one year of college baseball, said I'm done with this and pursued music. Awesome. Awesome. We, we pressed our own CDs. We bought the 50 racks and we used to label them as different albums. We used to label them as Jesus and shit. Like we used to like literally just pass our stuff out. You are that's a bird. Smart. You but are a bird of a feather, bro. Man, that's awesome, man. That's it's, it's just cool to see that. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody got their own story, but they're all kind of like, you know what I'm saying? They kind of come back to the same thing. That's crazy. You play baseball. Yeah, man. D2 college too. We are legitimately birds of a feather here, man. This is crazy. Wow. You played two, so, Dante? No, I wasn't good enough. I was really short until like my freshman year of college. And I grew a foot a little too late, <laughs> but. Wow. I was going to say, you don't look too small over there, bro. Nah, <laughs> I, just, just late to the game. So how do you go from, pushing your own CDs to, you know, hustling your friends and classmates and all that to, you said you, you know, got a break and you took advantage of it and you got on some tours, which we'll talk about. Like, what was that, what was that break for you? Yeah. I'll kind of like, so the buildup was kind of obviously when I was at the college, I was still, it was actually performing in art school. So, um, I kind of use that. That's my ability too. They always had like podcasting rooms that really weren't for, you know, like recording. Exactly. But yeah. I would pass them into, into using that. And, um, and then as I started gaining traction there at the college, cause I would be dropping shit on the SoundCloud. SoundCloud was like my main thing in college and I'd be dropping shit on SoundCloud and, and people would fuck with it. And then every time somebody would come into, you know, how they have like uh, college shows, like, you know, they have somebody host or something and, and they would always have yeah. me, open, they would always like, have me open like up. Fa- like Fabulous and like. Exactly. Those guys Sean, it was Big Sean yeah. at the time. Big Sean came, like Chitty Bang was popping at the time. So he oh. came. Yeah, Chitty, man. Fucking shout Chitty. I opened up for him. That was crazy. Um, But yeah, like just little opening sessions, like the college would always have me open up. So I started getting traction there. And then I already kind of had some traction back home in Omaha. And like where I went to school was only two hours away. So it was kind of like I was building a somewhat of a fan base in Nebraska. Um, And then what happened is actually two guys that um, I don't know if you know their names. They go by the name of Jack and Jack. They got they got really, really popping on Vine when Vine was like that shit, you know what I'm saying? 
And um, they wanted to collab on music and we, we made a record and like, it was crazy. We bought the beat for $500 and it ends up going gold independently because they had this huge fan base, you know? And this was like before streaming. So like, it was a huge, it was a really big deal for us. Like to go gold indie, we're like, what the fuck? Then they went on a tour. That was the tour I was talking to me about. So right after college, we dropped that song. They went on tour and they brought me to open up and it was all a house of blues tour. Every single show was sold out. Just like they'd never been on tour, you know, they got like five songs out, but like the internet, you know how the internet is with TikTok and all that shit. It was, it was really cool. So I went on and opened up and um, that's how I really started to gain a lot of social media presence and was able to stay independent and keep dropping shit and go on the road. And then eventually I made my way to LA and um I don't know. I'm sure you guys have been in LA multiple times. Um, it's just like, there's so much networking. Like you never know who you're going to run into. And um, I ended up running into a lot, a lot of um, very cool people that uh, helped my, um, you know, career get to the next level. Now there's one person that I specifically want to talk about. And this is one of the people me and Dante were talking about before this, but how did your connection with Wiz and Taylor gang start? So, yeah, the Taylor gang. So I actually was recording, like I said, I, I linked with a, a producer. His name was Ricky P. So he produced um, Pull Up for, for Wiz and, and Lil Uzi. Uzi. Yeah. yeah, that was like his break. So um, I was recording with Ricky. And um, one late night in the studio, like 4 a.m., he was like, yo, Wiz is about to pull up. And I was like, oh, shit, like, for real? Like, this is amazing. Like, this is a dream come true. I, I grew up on Wiz, you know? So I was I was going, I, like, I was listening to Wiz, like, Cushion Orange Juice, like, fucking religiously, you know? So um, uh, he comes through. I'm playing some music. He's like, man, this shit's dope. Like, you want to record? I was like, hell yeah. And he ends up playing a beat. It was a sledging beat. And um, he's like, man, go in the booth. You know, it was almost like a fucking Ted. And like, getting, he's like, get in there. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, shit. All right, let's do it. And I, I went in there and knocked that shit out. And he, he actually ended up dropping that song. It's called Role Model on a SoundCloud. Um, it was really cool because it was called Role Model, too. You know, and I just met my role model, you know. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to just make this song like. All I want to do is grow up and be a role model, you know. And that's how the song came out. And then after that, we just kind of started um. Like he would keep, you know, we would stay in touch and um, I'd go to the studio a couple more times. And at the same time, I had my I had started a label with my partner. It's called Alignment Records. And then we did a joint venture with Atlantic Records. So like at the time I had a lot of shit going on and I needed to find a manager. And um, Will, who um, for the people that don't know Will, obviously he's a Taylor Gang management. He managed Ty and Wiz and a couple other artists. Um, and he, he obviously runs Taylor Gang um, or owns a huge portion. And um, he came into the picture and I was going back and forth with some managers. And and I just really felt like he knew um, what I like, what my vision was and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to move. And that's kind of how like the Taylor Gang affiliation, I ended up signing a management deal with them. And so Wiz is like very, very involved. It's, it's, it's really, I'm just, I'm grateful, man. I'm, I'm, I'm super blessed. Dude, I'm such a big Wiz fan, and I'm the same way. Like, I like my college years was Cushion Orange Juice. Like, I fucking love Wiz, right. and I love Will. I love Taylor Gang, and I think that they're such an underappreciated entity in the history. Bro, they don't get enough. Like, you know, it's it's just it's just a weird world now with streaming. I really I really believe that um, our day and age, like the the, the shit that we used to listen to, or also the people that are putting those people on to, are like 
you know what I'm saying? They're they're making their way back into the game. Like real, real is coming back. You know, not all that, not all the just jibber jabber rap is is gonna be along for too long. You know, people want to really hear some substance in music. You know, pray to God that happens. Uh, it's on the way. It's on the way, man, for sure. Especially with the with the punk era coming back in too. You know, that definitely has a lot of substance. You know, even if it's just about relationships. You know, like you're really like spearheading that whole i feel genre i mean that's like your lane who who were your influences growing up like what what did you used to listen to when you were so it's, you know, it's, starting out it's super different than um the shit that i listened to um i know we all kind of had that like punk phase where it was like my chemical romance fucking nirvana fucking uh i'm still Green in that Day. phase Oh yeah. yeah! Oh really? That's fucking awesome. I love. That's awesome though, for real. Because we're bringing it back, man. Keep keep but going though. Me, keep it, who else though? Who else? Who else? To me, to me, like I really was on. Like I was a huge hip hop head, man. So I was like really big on like you know Lil Wayne, Wiz, Fifty Cent, Mac Miller, um, Pac, um, Biggie, uh, just anybody that had anything to do with hip hop. I was trying to study it because that was my like. Writing raps was like, once I started like doing that shit, I was like, yo, I want to just study this shit and study the game. So like a lot of me is, is, is really hip hop. You know what I'm saying? And um, that's always been inside of me, but I'm trying to think of some other influences. I mean, my dad, he used to listen to Bob Marley all fucking day long. So I'm, I'm sure that's just instilled in me. And then um, um, I'm trying to think of old school rock. L- lately, I've been listening to a lot of Nirvana, man. I fucking love Kurt Cobain, bro. Like, hell yeah, just something about him. And then Juice World. Uh, as far as the new, new, new cats, like I love Juice World, man. Rest in peace to rest him. He fucking, he was amazing, dude. Um, who else do I like out of the new shit, man? I don't know, man. I haven't been really listening to too much new shit, man. I've actually been tapping into a lot of older music lately. I'm actually on that same wave right now to where I want to go back. I want to learn from what happened before. But part of me wants to ask this question because we talk a lot on this podcast about like what's going on in L.A. right now. Kenny, who's one of our co-hosts, lives in L.A. And we've had a lot of different alternative bands come on through this podcast. And the one thing I want to know is kind of we're watching this thing in hip hop right now where there's this pop punk meets hip hop thing happening. And to watch it happen, like, sometimes we watch it and we're kind of like, I don't know what this is necessarily. Like, I want to know from somebody who's in the shit out there, like, are you just in rooms and this is kind of happening and then you kind of meld those things together? Or are these things that it's just hot right now, so everybody's trying to do it? Like, how did you wind up in that? So I so I can kind of tell you my experience and how I winded up. Actually, um, I I was trying, I, I, I dropped the project called Skate Sounds and... Um, it was heavy. It was driven heavy on R and B side, and um, that was kind of a tester because um, I, I was I was strictly like hip hop, hip hop, hip hop. But I wanted to, you know, drop some. So I mean, I've always like had uh, melodies. You know, my like melodies was like always key for me for hooks. Um, but it was really R and B driven, and when I went on tour, I didn't really. Like it, it wasn't when when I was uh, performing it, 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 like it wasn't translating as well to the crowd. So on this next one, I actually was like, "Yo, let's try a different direction and let's lo- use some live instruments." And um, a guy named Rook, he drums for MGK. Mm. Uh, he came into Dude, the studio. Dude, that's my guy. That yeah, the, Rook, man, bro. 
fucking man, dude. Maniac on the drums. Maniac on the drums. And he's like a great composer, too. He can play guitar. He can do like, he can put like songs together. He can write hooks. He's like way more than just drums. So I, uh, he was a good friend out here. I linked with him and he came in the studio and he just started, we just started adding live elements, like using real guitars instead of just using loops, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Or and, and using real drums instead of using fucking, you know, trap drums, even though we add trap, it's like, it's like a mixture of the live elements with the trap elements it, that gives you just such a, like, it's still nostalgic, but it's still like right here. You know what I'm saying? It's still now. Bro, how weird is it that I'm in the rock scene, right? And you're watching hip hop artists trying to bring rock back and use live instruments. And you're seeing alternative and rock bands trying to use trap drums. It's this weird, like, it's like how they say musicians want to be uh, fucking athletes and athletes want to be musicians. Yeah. It's this weird thing where you're watching these genres melt together and eventually there's not sure. going to be a barrier. For sure. But- and I, and I, and I, and I, I love, I love that you said that um, because I, I truly firmly believe in the fact that like, well, I would like it, you know, the business side probably will always, you know, they like to put it into categories and shit like that. But I would love for it to just be music. You know, you don't have to go on uh, Apple Music and see a genre. You don't have to click. It's just music, you know, and it is what it is because all these genres is bending. You've got people doing, you know, way different shit on pop beats and way different shit on rock beats. And, you know, I think it's just all going to be, like you said, into one one genre. Country music has 808s now. There is no barriers. Like anything's fucking possible. Oh, what's, bro. The, what's the country? The um, the number one country singer right now. What's his name? I mean, there's Thomas Rhett. There's Luke Combs. There's fucking. Nah, Luke. he's like a he's a young he's a young dude. Young dude. Uh, fucking dude. There's so many right now. My Morgan Wallen. Keep Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen. Morgan Wallen. Yeah. But like, you want to know what's crazy about Morgan? When I listen to his shit, I hear hip hop melodies in in the country. Mm-hmm. like it's really crazy like like the country music like his bars what he's saying is like relatable to certain people that would listen to hip-hop you know but he's singing in country melodies so it's like and he's doing like crazy numbers right crazy now. numbers yeah crazy so fucking I, numbers because a couple of my friends really love morgan and, and i was like i'm listening to him like yo like his bars are like what hip hop people would be saying, you know what I'm saying? Dude, I, country melodies. I love the fact that we just went, yo, his country fucking got bars. Like I love that. Like that's fucking okay. amazing, yo. Well, yo, like just to to wrap this up because we're gonna send it into Girl Next Door featuring Wiz Khalifa coming out. So let's talk about pages. Let's talk about the new album. Like with everything that you're doing to meld things together, like what are you trying to do on this album? Is it more of a continuation of Girl Next Door? Or like what are you trying to say with this new record? This record really is 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 like turning the page, you know. Um, I was in a relationship for three years. I just got out of that relationship um, right like before quarantine, so I've been fresh out of that for like a year and a half. And it's just about turning the page. I wanted to relate to people that were also in relationships, you know, uh, the good and the bad, um, you know, the the shit that comes with being in the industry and and trying to choose, you know love over you know what you feel your fate is you know what i'm saying and um and just the clashes of 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 that um that is really highlighted on pages um like with the rest of the music girl next door is more of uh the single track um 
but the rest has a lot, a lot of substance with the shit that I think people would really be able to, to relate to. Dude. I'm 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 excited to see what happens coming at like after the record comes out because it's really, I'm really dope. It's really dope, man. I'm really like I'm really proud of everybody that's um been in the room with me and and spent time and it, it's been a lot of people that like have put that uh that extra time and that extra energy like it takes a lot of uh really positive energy all in the same room with no egos to make really great music like all this music there's not one song on this on this record um, that uh, they were like, yo, this is what you need to cut. This is how it needs to sound. And this is, you know what I'm saying? None of that was on this record. So it's it's really special for me. So, Dude. man, you got a great team. You got great support system. You got a great story, man. I'm, I'm pulling for you. I'm excited to hear it, too. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I really do feel like you got the wind at your back at this point, especially with the song we're about to play, really starting to do some numbers. Everybody better watch out for skate, man. When's the record dropping? I think it's like <laughs> TV decided. Yes, yeah, it's, it's to be announced. It's finished. The album's finished. I'm just doing some little skits and like little minor things to it just to make it perfect. But uh well never it'll never be perfect, but to make it as perfect as I can. But um I would say in the in the next month. Yep. And then I go on tour in uh end of September, all the way September, October. I'll be done around like mid-November. You coming to Philly? I think I am coming to Philly. Yes. All right, we're gonna have to link up or something. Yeah. If you're coming to uh, Chicago, Dante yeah. will. Uh, Dante yeah, will. Chicago, wherever you guys are at, we'll send you tickets. I'll make sure to um, get Brian um, to send tickets over. There we go, man. Awesome, bro. Listen, great talking to you, man. Great talking to you, dude. Everybody, go check out Girl Next Door, which we're about to play. Check out Pages when it drops. Go see Skate on Tour. Skate, thank you very much, bro. We thank appreciate you being here so today. Much, man. This was really cool, for real, man. We should definitely, like, if I'm in the city, link up, grab a beer, whatever, man. So let Say me no know. more, dude. Christian Dior, you know what it's for. Got a crush on a girl next door. Sliding in a Benz truck, it's not no four. Pull up to the party with the girl next door. Michael Chavez, free with you. Shit, I just wanna be with you. Say she wanna make a porno, we can shoot a scene or two. It's a lot of lust, a lot of drugs. She don't give a fuck, girl next door. This don't need no Oh. 